friends. Of course, I go by the name of the kid, famous. You and there tuned into the Tim and Friends show. Hello, education, entertainment, coast to coast. Ball it up, call it entertainment. Let's get this started. Uncle Tim, let's start this show in five, four, three, two, one. Let's go. Hope you enjoyed the poker as much as Kevin Mickey did. Stick with me, Timothy, and Mr. Mickey for the next 90. We got you set. We'll get you. Cleared for Hockey Central at 6.30 Eastern Time. We hope your game day always starts with us. And today, that game day includes nine games on the ice, three Canadian teams, three on the Sportsnet family of channels. Including the struggling Canucks in to face the struggling Sabres. For those tuning in early on the West Coast, one, appreciate y'all. Two, Connect Central with Sideshaw and Dan Riccio will follow my conversation with Nick Kiprios, who joins me for the final 30 minutes of the show and boy do we have stuff to talk about we will hammer in on the Canucks next steps we will hammer in on just how much trouble the Toronto Maple Leafs are in with their blue line and oh yeah puck over glass was brought up during the GM meetings among all the topics at hand with Kipper in the building something I know you feel strongly about oh without a doubt also review a lot of yeah Timmy's, a, lot Timmy, of, a lot of talk about review. Timmy's got a lot on his mind, too. So <laughs> I do. We're going to dissect that. All that apparently on the agenda. Fridge says, don't expect anything to change. I say, maybe it should. We will discuss. We'll also discuss more feel-good Canadian basketball stories as Delano Banton and Shea Gilgis-Alexander steal the show in Detroit and Boston, respectively. And with Week 10 officially in the books, are the Eagles still the team to beat? in the NFC and are the Rams officially done all that plus are the Jays in on a starting pitcher that would cost him Teoscar Hernandez things that make you go mm. Mm. and oh yeah the sheepdogs are in the building that's right my friends and yours, and yours the creators of the catchiest damn theme songs in all of sports television oh yeah and a couple three albums for so Juno's and my favorite, a High Times Doobie Award. <laughs> <laughs> Sheepdogs jumping up and in on this Tuesday edition of Tim and Friends. You and Curry Ryan go. They will shoot the breeze coming up in a flash. That's right, kids. Another jam-packed show coming your way. And we'll start the festivities as we always do. Kevin Mickey has what everyone is talking about in First Things First. So what's on the deck? Mike Schmreck. <laughs> Very good. Very nice. I feel like such a jam-packed show. I want to press this button. It does, does feel like everything is happening yeah. right now. Thank yeah. you, Bob Cole. Yes. And speaking of Bob Cole, let's start on the ice. And two Canadian teams in action last night in the National Hockey League. The Senators falling to the Islanders 4-2. Meanwhile, after losing seven straights, the Flames, they've won back-to-back. -back. Thanks to a 6-5 win over the LA Kings last night, Tim, a la Michelle Branch, should the Flames and their fans just breathe? Should they breathe a sigh of relief? Well, you didn't like Michelle Branch? Yeah. Not really. Oh. Should I? Yeah. Give, give, give people a little taste of the song that you're talking about. If I just breathe, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you're almost as good as Donovan. Oh, I'm better than Donovan. <laughs> we should have a sing-off. That's how this all started, eh? Do you uh, know that? No. Sid Sixero, Donovan Bennett on the podcast had a sing-off. Oh, I didn't know Neeler this, yes. realizing just how terrible they were. <laughs> Donovan less so. You, right there, 
That's awful. My wife has said to me constantly, she goes, one thing I can't stand more than anything is people who can't sing trying to sing. And she said that to me a couple of times. <laughs> so, so maybe you do know that. Maybe I do know. Yeah, yeah. Uh, this, be a little facetious here. The sigh of relief for Calgary Flames, Flames fans, Flames fans. Flame the Flames. sigh of relief for Calgary Flames fans happened 349 into the first period. I mean, a day ago we asked if Daryl Sutter's comments were thin on players and this was after a win on Saturday night he had said that you know they had too many soft players on the ice in their last couple at home well the hits kept coming yesterday when he was brutally honest about Jonathan Uberdo's performance because we've slotted him everywhere else and it hasn't worked what, what might those two guys bring out in him that you're hoping for I think there's there's similar type players not bringing anything out of him he's a good player he's got to get going Right. Enough talk about it. Well, the $84 million man came through 349 into the game, playing with Backlund and Lewis on the third line, if you didn't understand the context of the clip that we just played. Now, I thought the comments were a weird way to welcome a guy back after missing three with injury. Weird's a good way to put it. Now, to be fair, what Sutter said is actually the truth. Got to get Uberdo going. He knows that. We know that. The players know that. But the shot about who he plays with, well, that seemed like a shot. Mm -hmm. I will say this. The offense got the old mojo going last night, so give Daryl Sutter the check mark. It's important. We it all is. understand that. Yes. But they still allowed five goals. And they right? needed a big-time save from Markstrom at the end of the game. A ridiculous save. A ridiculous save. save to keep that win. So now they are... 20th in the league in goals against after allowing five goals. Like, I know the blue line has been missing pieces, but that's the best indication of when this team is good is when they're defending well. And so far this year, they have not – I know that everyone in Calgary is talking about offense. I know Jonathan Huberdeau hasn't lived up to his $84 million contract, but give him a little bit of time. Play better defense. That's what this team's known for. That's what Daryl Sutter's certainly known for. That's why we won a couple of Stanley Cups. So Without a doubt. So they got to get that going for sure. And Mackenzie Wieger, again, uh, the fifth goal, I think it was, went off his stick or his body and in. So he, Wieger's had a tough start to the year. Everybody's kind of had a so-so here and there, good then, and not a lot of great start to the year in Calgary. Right. Time to turn things around. Yeah, I've already thrown the footnote. I know that the blue line has been banged up and they've been missing pieces along yeah. that blue line, but they yeah. just got to be better. If, if you look at the standings in the National Hockey League... Oh, look, there they are. ...and then go click on the goals against per game, they correlate immensely. Yeah. you got to play defense in this league. One thing, one major topic outside of the actual play on the ice is, is off the ice as well. The NHL GM meeting's happening in Toronto today. Yes. We yes. kind of teased it. You have some thoughts. Now, we're going to get a report from Jesse Fuchs and uh, Elliot Friedman a little later on, and we're going to dive into some more stuff with Kipper, but there's a couple things that you want to touch on, including some things that aren't likely to change, but yeah, you think sounds, maybe should. It sounds like uh, replay and puck over glass were discussed among the GMs, and they kind of have their straw poll, and neither of them are going to be touched. I, I have no idea why I get so fired up about these things in the NHL more than anywhere else. Like, I've been fired up about NFL rules. I've been fired up about, I mean, we might even talk about it a little later on yeah, yeah. when we talk about the Eagles and the Commanders on Monday night. Mm -hmm. um, but this, like, replay rules and these 
razor, like this is a bad example of these razor thing. This was a huge context. There was a massive game being played. This is another one of them where there's a massive context. But every day we watch these replays for 15 minutes and they mean nothing in a regular season game. Mm -hmm. And I think we need to impose a limit. There's got to be a two minute limit on the replays on the instant replay so that we get rid of these 15 minute stoppages in games like I'm tired of if it's the playoffs and it's a huge play completely understand it but if it's not egregious why are we spending so much time on them I the end of the day they want to make it black and white and how do you make it exactly black and white you spend as much time as you possibly can but that's that's but that's not why we put instant replay into effect we put it into effect because there were egregious mistakes being made like terrible mistakes being made so fix the terrible mistakes if it's that thin where you've got to spend 13 minutes on a review or eight minutes on a review then just let the call on the ice stand you know who else is fired up about this a lot of the friends of Tim and Friends. We put something out. We said with NHL GM meetings in full force and coaches challenge video reviews on the docket, we asked, are you happy with the NHL's review system? If not, what would you change? And Timmy, there are a lot of friends that are just as fired up as you. We're going to start with this one. Uh, Buzz says, get us a system like Hawkeye in tennis for when things are on over the line. And that's actually something that I've heard a lot of. Why doesn't the NHL have goal line technology like they have in soccer or Hawkeye like they have in tennis? Are you able to put a chip in the puck so Mm -hmm. you know when it crosses a line, maybe uh, linesmen in the sky so that they know they have an immediate notification of when something's offside. So if you have something that you'd like to chime in with, please write into Tim and Friends. Puck over glass has been my arch nemesis for years. Uh, a lot of people who watch this show know that. I was told that puck over glass after a Pavel Busnevich Uh, Puck over glass cost the Blues. Uh, This was a topic of conversation among the GMs, and they passed on making any sort of adjustment to the rule. This obviously wasn't on purpose. He swung, (laughs) batted it out of midair. Be pretty impressive if it was. Ended up being a two-man disadvantage, and his team lost the game because of it. It's obvious that it wasn't something done on purpose, and they didn't want it to come down to a call in a playoff game where it was a judgment call for a referee on whether or not the player meant to do it. Here is my solution for puck over glass. Yes. Let's hear it. It's a one-minute penalty. The NHL Hmm. allows an entire third period, and God forbid they go to overtime, where the referees absolutely positively put their whistles in their pocket. Hits from behind, guys getting absolutely drilled across the arms, guys' (laughs) sticks being snapped. And the only time you call a penalty is when the puck maybe or maybe not on purpose, gets flipped over glass. It's like punishing attempted murder with a five-year prison sentence (laughs) and attempting to steal a pack of Bubblicious with a five-year prison sentence. (laughs) Call it a... I know we don't have... There's no such thing as a one-minute penalty. I know that! But puck over glass is not a two-minute call, especially in the postseason. Jeff Merrick first came up with this idea, and I think it's absolutely brilliant. Puck over glass down to one minute. Because it's not the same as everything else. No, that's funny. I I didn't know that Merrick had come up with that. I was literally about to say that sounds like something Jeff Merrick would very much enjoy. Because Merrick's always got these little quirks and 
twerks about what he would change he with the NHL game. Oh, yeah. You've never seen Jeff Merrick twerk? No, thankfully. Oh, yeah. yeah. No. Nope. The radio show on 360. It's brilliant. <laughs> uh, we're going to chat more NHL with Nick Caprios a little later on. You think Caprios will go for this? For twerking? No, the oh, one-minute okay. puck over glass. Uh, I, I'd love to see Kipper talk about twerking, so maybe we'll bring up both of them. Maybe we'll talk. Hey, Kipper, you ever twerk? No? All right. Well, for now, we're going to go to basketball while we think about whether Kipper would twerk or not. The shorthanded Raptors snapping their mini two-game losing skid with a 115-111 win over the Pistons, playing without Pascal Siak, Fred VanVleet, Precious Chua, Gary Trent Jr. It was Delano Banton stepping up with a career-high 27 points and fellow Canadian Chris Boucher chipping in with 20 Tim, did you see what you needed from the Raps and their depth players? Yesterday we talked about letting the kids play, and Nurse did exactly that. He didn't have much choice in the matter, but I did say don't just play Scotty Barnes and OG Ananobi 40 minutes and hope for the best over the next little while, and nobody played over OG Ananobi's 37 minutes in this game. And because of that, because of the extended runs for guys like Malachi Flynn and Delano Benton, you ended up seeing another, another wonderful Canadian basketball story as Delano Banton had a career high 27 points. He also had three steals to go along with five rebounds, four assists, and was camel clutch down the stretch. Nice. Uh, we have seen the Raptors get beat up by the Canadian contingent in two games straight before this one, and it was the Canadian contingent that went the other way. A combined 47 points between Banton and Boucher, and the revelation here was Delano Banton. I don't know if it will continue against better teams than the Detroit Pistons, but I thought last night you got yourself a little bit of momentum that we'll see if Delano can build on because everyone was kind of given some minutes here, and he was given just his second career start. And also, how about finally defeating Dwayne Casey? Finally, Delano Banton stepping up said enough of this. We're finally going to defeat Dwayne Casey. And uh, here's actually one thing I want to mention too. Banton said after the game, I got a lot of reps in the summer playing for Team Canada and in Summer League, but mostly I noted the Team Canada thing. So Banton getting some reps playing for Team Canada. It was a banner night for Canada basketball once again yeah. on uh, Monday evening. I know it's a deep cut, but in a tournament that nobody wanted to play in. Like yeah. That wasn't even World Cup qualifying that he was playing in. Yeah. I was just Team Canada. He was the man on that team. Mm -hmm. And because he got those man-like reps with Team Canada, he was able to apply it in just his second career start. And the only other start came when the Raptors had eight players because of COVID right. against Chicago. Yeah. So uh, some good experience. We'll see if it works moving forward. But Malachi Flynn played pretty well. Like a bunch of different guys jumped in and played well for this team. And I wonder if that will continue while they're shorthanded because they just lost Otto Porter Jr. as well. I don't know how Again. long he'll be out, but that's another big piece of this team. And yet it is with this shorthanded squad without all of these players and Otto Porter, who left and did not return, that they finally snapped the slide against Dwayne Casey. And finally is a great word for it. It's mentioned banner night for Canadians in the NBA. Shea Gildress-Alexander continues to wave the banner, be one of the top dogs, if not the top dog, when it comes to Canadian basketball. 37 points versus the Celts last night, Timmy. Yeah, this is one of those games that pops out because the national media pays attention to Boston. But if you look at the last five games for Shea Gilgis-Alexander, they're absolutely ridiculous. 37 points, 8 assists, 2 steals. All right, maybe you saw that. How about the 37 points, 8 assists, 3 steals? Maybe you didn't see that. The only number under 33 points on this list is the 20 that he had against the Raptors because he didn't play the fourth quarter because they were running the Raptors out of the gym and didn't need him. In fact, 
fact, if you look at the per numbers in the NBA right now, Shea Gilgis Alexander is fourth on the list of all players. For those who don't know what per is, player efficiency yeah. rating, it's like the war of basketball. It suggests that Shea Gilgis Alexander right now is the fourth best player in the NBA. That's a and pretty I good know, company. I know that you, before the show, showed me something from Kyle Kuzma. So Kyle Kuzma last night said he believes that Shea Gilgis-Alexander of the Thunder is a top five guard in the NBA right now. That was Chase Hughes of NBCS tweeting that out. Do you agree? Top five guard in the NBA? Yeah, he's fourth and per. Like right now? <laughs> yes, without a doubt. And if you look at the numbers over the last five games and that stat news tweet that shows his numbers over the last five, they ask... He's a top blank player in the NBA. I'll throw that to the friends of the show right now. Shea Gilgis-Alexander, where is he in the NBA? The only thing that you can hold against him right now is that he plays on a bad team. Crappy Other team. than that, yep. these numbers are jaw-dropping. And the best part of these numbers is it's not that he's just impacting the game with offense. Because we've seen before guys on crappy teams just chucking up a bunch of shots and averaging a high amount of points per game because they get those shots. He shoots a great percentage, he plays great defense, and he affects the game in positive ways for a team that has no business winning the amount of games that they have won this far. And that's why I think he might be different than just a, a good player on a bad team. And if you're looking for a more expansive description on Per, you just described exactly what it is. Right. He affects the game in every single way possible, and he is damn good at doing it. Uh, before the season, SB Nation tweeted out their top, uh, they wrote an article, top 30 guards in the NBA. Uh, care to guess where they put Shea? 18th. Is 18 your final guess? <laughs> <laughs> oh, how'd you know? Shame. Uh, 18 is correct. And now Kyle Kuzma saying he's Sorry, a top five, uh, top five guard in the NBA. And now we're even saying maybe he's a top blank in the entire NBA, regardless yeah. of I, I think, honestly, I think he's a top 10 player in the NBA. But yeah. no one will believe it until he plays on a team that is in legitimate contention. And right now, OKC isn't that. No. Uh, in contention, the Washington football commanders. Yeah, it's okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, they've changed the name four times yeah, in the last couple of years. I guess you're talking about. We're going to go to football now. That's the point. 72 Dolphins, well, they can pop the champagne once again because there are, again, no more undefeated teams in the NFL. The Philadelphia Eagles losing to Taylor Heineke and the commanders, 32-21. Uh, Philadelphia turned the ball over three times all year. Philly, three turnovers last night along with some questionable questionable penalties. Timmy, how shocked were you with this result? Well, yesterday we were talking about the uh, Philadelphia Eagles going perfect on the year and yes. whether or not they had the ability to do it. I believe the question to Donovan was, when are they going to lose? And Donovan said the Super Bowl? <laughs> yeah. So, maybe not. The Commanders got them last night and they got them because of turnovers. As I've said a million times with Sixero, he thoroughly enjoyed it back in the day. Turnovers are for bakeries. And when you turn <laughs> the ball over and uh, you play a decent team, you lose games. That is the truth in the NFL. The team that wins the turnover battle wins more than 70% of the games. And last night, all of the key things that made the Philadelphia Eagles an 8-0 squad coming in were not present. They turned the ball over. They couldn't make the big play. When they did make the big play, they tried to do a little bit too much. And because of it, 
they lost a football game, and that's why it's so hard. That's why it's the 72 Dolphins who are still popping champagne because it has been that long. It is that hard. Does it mean that the Philadelphia Eagles are any less a team? In my mind, no. In my mind, you're getting a little bit of value on the odds to win the NFC. I don't know about the odds to win the Super Bowl because I think that the NFC is not as good as the AFC right now. There's a chance for the Philadelphia Eagles to still win that football game. It appeared as though that the Commanders were going to have to punt, giving the Eagles some time. But then all of a sudden, let's have a look here. Taylor Heineke takes a knee and then bang, gets hit twice. Flag comes out, roughing the passer, or I think it was unnecessary roughness. Either way, fresh set of downs, and they're able to take it down to 10 seconds left or so. Uh, Alex Cup. Kemp, the referee, uh, told a pool reporter that he had clearly given himself up. I don't know when you expect a quarterback to go to a knee in the middle of a play and whether or not there's a little bit of empathy for the defenders. He did not get hit twice. He got hit once. And even then, I don't know if it was a flag. Uh, this was a poorly officiated game. And well, I think yeah, throughout yeah. the entire game. And, and I think that's why so many people were upset at this call at the end. Like, as a defender, you just, you just want a chance. And I don't know that they had the chance to understand in a game where you're playing till the very end mm-hmm. that the quarterback had given himself up. And one of the players involved in that said, I thought he was going to get up. And if you look at the replays, there is, he's, he's moving. Yeah, he's yeah. still moving, and you're like, did he give himself up? Like, you're just coming off a block. It's just, it's way too hard. That was a poorly officiated game. I'm not blaming that last call, but the referees were terrible. There are plenty of Philadelphia Eagles fans in this building, and I even I said to a couple of them, I said maybe it's better that they got the loss out of the way now because there's a lot of pressure if you keep oh, without going a doubt. Yeah, yeah. So get the loss out of the way. Now you can focus on winning the division. Just see how they respond to this loss. Yeah, that's a that's a great point. Yeah. Right? Yeah. They got a couple of games against the Giants who are ch- chasing them, so those are big games. They don't have to focus on just beating the Giants and not keeping an undefeated record. Uh, the LA Rams likely not going to be repeat Super Bowl champs, Timmy. Uh, even more so, cementing that fact, Cooper Cup. Star wide receiver, perhaps the best wide receiver in the league, out a minimum of four weeks. Yeah, this is uh, this is it for the Rams, and it harkens back to one of my favorite stats of all time. Give it to me, Kevin Mickey. Okay. Every year we start and we look at the two Super Bowl contenders, the two play- teams that played in the Super Bowl, and we say those two teams are going to end up in the playoffs and playing for Lombardi again, and those are the two favorite time. And yet, and yet. Since 1998, 19 of the 46 teams to play in the Super Bowl missed the playoffs the following season. That is 42% of teams that play in the Super Bowl miss it the following season. The losers usually miss it more than the winners, but it happens every year and every year. You never see this coming, and yet there it is, and this is what's happened once again with the Cooper Cup. He's been their MVP for two and a half years. Uh, it's been tough sledding for Matthew Stafford this year as well. Maybe the Rams are in the market for a new quarterback. I know one quarterback, and he's from Canada, that will be on the market. That is one Nathan Rourke to me. Yeah, it looks like he's going to get the look that we've been telling you about for basically the entire season. Yeah, the entire so what, year. Yep. Once he started the way he started in the CFL, we kept telling folks whenever Justin Dunk came in here that he was going to get a look in the National Football League. And from what Justin Dunk is reporting at Three Down Nation right now, it looks like two-thirds of the league are interested yeah. in Nathan Rourke's services. And already, just a week after his season ended, he is going to work out for at least two teams. So... It looks as though one of the brightest stars in the CFL is headed to the NFL. 
one team is going to take a flyer on him. It'll depend on what they offer him uh, contract-wise and opportunity-wise on what he takes. Uh, but I will say this. It's always shocking to me how much more the NFL respects the CFL and their players than fans in Canada respect their own league. That's right. You see tons of stars that will go down south, and they played right here. They played right here. You could watch them up north, but, yeah, not giving them the respect, like you said. Yeah, I think people try and uh, wait for the cosign from the states before they cosign our own. We know enough up here. Come yep. on. Still to come, Nick Kiprios in studio for our final half hour. We'll discuss what's next in Vancouver, maybe puck over glass, and whether or not he likes to twerk. I hope you were here for like the last five minutes because then you get that reference. Otherwise, it means absolutely nothing to you. Plus, after the break, you hear them every, every day on the show. Ewan and Ryan from the Sheepdogs drop by to talk some sports and maybe uh, a little going home right there on Tim Fans. And now a flag, wow. and that's going to, in essence, end the game. It's just a really tough deal for Philadelphia. Heineke knew it right away, and then the celebration was on. Yes, sir. You know what it is? Oh, big party party. Oh, yeah. with a slam dunk. He has been sensational. 27 points. Delano Banton with a career night. Felix Auger-Aliassime is off and running in Turin. The first ever win at the Nito ATP Finals and his first victory over Rafa Nadal. Significant day for the youngster from Canada. here we can't cut the vocals here they've been with me in the show since damn near jump doing a theme song for us when we were a, a podcast when we were a radio show when we were a tv show and now just tim and friends verified friends of the show you and curry ryan gullin are here boys welcome back to the show thanks for doing this good to be here in yeah. person man yeah it feels good are, are you uh i mean listen I want to apologize to all of London. They are sold out for Friday. They are on tour at the Sheepdogs is where you can find all the information for their tour. Uh, but then Burton Cummings Theatre, Winnipeg, November 22nd. Casino Regina, been there a couple times. Wednesday, November 23rd, got my ass kicked on the poker tables. Yeah. <laughs> and Casino Regina by a bunch of cowboys a bunch of different times. TCU Place, Friday, November 25th. Like. Is it fun to be back on tour and playing in front of live crowds? Yeah, it's the best. I mean, of all the things that like got you know paused during the the pandemic, like music is so dependent on live, like just energy and like you know. I mean, it's not unlike going to a, a you know a hockey game or a basketball game. Like the energy is incredible. Ryan, is it good to be back on tour? Oh, it's the best. Yeah, it feels good. I mean, it's like. 
is that weird thing where when you're sitting at home, you don't really know if anyone's listening or what they're doing, and it's so much fun to like go and play in front. It's like that shared experience you get where you're in a room with a whole bunch of people that you really long for as a musician. It's part of the part of the job, so you really want it. For sure. And there's a lot of dudes, like uh, men and women, whose livelihood depends on touring bands, right? Like this is a, a crazy part that a lot of people just kind of forgot about during the pandemic. Yeah, I mean, not you know, not unlike restaurants and bars, like it's yeah. a lot of in, you know industry people like working at these venues. Venues got hit pretty hard, so it's great to see them back uh, rocking. Okay, so I mentioned London. I mentioned got to be cool to play at Burton Cummings Theater Always in there, Winnipeg, yeah. but you are headed back home as well. What's it like to go back home, Regina, Saskatoon? It's kind of overwhelming a little bit because <laughs> the hometown shows are always really. There's like an added layer of like responsibility because you're trying to see the family and you're right. on tour and then you know making sure mom's got a good view and dad's all right and you know the random presence. buddies hitting you up for tickets like yes. ten minutes before you go on stage <laughs> that kind of stuff. Right. No, it's it's good though too. I mean, we the smartly this time we have a day off in Saskatoon so we can get right. all that out of the way. But it's always fun. I mean, it's a place that we sort of you know cut our teeth. We really were like fortunate enough to like come up in a place where we could really play a lot of shows before they really mattered and. And as a result, now going back, it's always sort of like serendipitous to play in front of those people. So it's kind of true what we hear about like the Leafs playing against guys from their own hometown and the tough thing. And we saw like the Raptors playing against Canadians and all of a sudden the Canadians are whooping their ass yeah. in OKC and <laughs> in Indiana. Like there's something about going home where there's an added layer of one pressure and two, will this succeed? Yeah. And there's like, I mean, we both live in Toronto, but we're from Saskatchewan. So yeah. Toronto show and the Saskatoon show, I'm, I'm kind of glad when they're done because it's like, yeah. <laughs> it's just ac extra stakes, you know. You Indianapolis just... was super relaxing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Understood. Understood. Yeah. Understood. When I first saw the schedule and Grey Cups in Regina, I thought maybe there was some halftime work to be had there. Did the CFL reach out in any way, shape, or form? Well, I was, I was saying earlier, it's funny because when we booked these shows, it was years ago. We didn't know the Grey Cup was even going to be in Regina. It right. would have been amazing. We very legendary time we played the Grey Cup in Saskatoon or in Regina, and uh, Rioters won like whatever it was, like 58 to three or something like that like something wild and yeah. we got to rush on the field and we got to go on the field and we got championship hats <laughs> yeah. it was like one of the greatest music sports moments for us and yeah. uh, also like late november in saskatchewan like it's gonna be like 20 below like <laughs> that's usually when they call us so. <laughs> yeah. yeah you think uh the the semblance of uh florida georgia line now listen i know jordan davis is on his own uh and i know that josh ross i don't know if you know this he played Football, like it might ring true for oh, you yeah? too. He played football at Western and is performing at the halftime of this event. Like, it's got to be hard to play in minus 20 degree weather. It, it's murder on the fingers. Like, <laughs> yeah. you, you know, you're, you're touching metal strings. Like, you know, they tell you not to touch metal or like a pole. <laughs> it was, you're putting your fingers on guitar strings. It's, it's, kind of impossible really it's yeah we like a lot of times we'll do like the canadian new year isn't it's cold but when we did the gray cup the night before we did our sound check it was minus 38 with the windshield <laughs> <laughs> and like nothing worked. anything that was electronic stopped working like right. we couldn't keep our guitars our, beards. Was, our management was, was watching on in the the truck like yeah. you know on the the monitor or whatever right they're and in like, the warm it, truck yeah. yeah and in real time our beards just turned white and <laughs> like grew like <laughs> frost like yeah. see i don't know the uh might be interesting i guess the if he'd played played in Canada in football, he knows. I mean, a lot of like, people don't realize how cold it is. It's got to yeah. be wild. Some of those first seasons, some of those guys coming up here and 
trying to figure out how you keep warm and that. There's not a lot of places in the U.S. where it gets that cold, really. No, right? and I, not a lot of places in Canada. You know this. I covered a, a Vanier Cup in Saskatoon, and it was over minus 30 the entire week. I was at that one. And I like, I froze, I, I can't even say it on TV, but it was really bleeping cold. <laughs> and I dressed for the, I'm like, I'm never scared of the weather. And like the places where my skin was exposed because I wore basically a balaclava the entire week, yeah. it would freeze, <laughs> like it was that cold. I didn't realize that it got that bad if you stood outside that long. I don't know why we insist here in Canada on doing these outdoor like New Year's <laughs> Eve shows and like like we should probably look into domes. I don't I don't know. It's a beautiful stadium in Regina, so I don't want to crap on that. But you know, maybe a dome would be a good idea for the next one. So you played football at the University of Saskatchewan. Yeah. Uh, Josh Ross played at the University of Western, now yeah. known as Western University. Maybe there's a little bet here if your teams happen to make it through what is now the U Sports uh, National Semifinals. Yeah, I'd, I'd be into that. I mean, I'm, I'm really rooting for the Huskies. They, al they almost won last year, but they got to the finals. My good buddy uh, Lyle is one of the coaches there, and they're just doing great, so I'd love to see them win. Uh, if it, I wonder if it, uh, I'm looking at the schedule you're going west, because it's at Western. Yeah, if they made it through, you'd have to come back east to watch the game. I'm on tour, so that's going to be hard. <laughs> yeah, no, uh, I figured that out when I, I looked down at the schedule. It's not going to be one of those mayor's bets, though. You know those mayor's bets that are always so yeah. corny? I'll wear the T-shirt yeah. of the team yeah. that has beaten me. <laughs> I don't know why my I'll, mayor is that. A but. sack full of <laughs> Saskatoon berries or, you know, yeah. whatever. I'll yeah. get you some potash. And you yeah. me. No, I, I did heckle the mayor of Hamilton in the hotel after we won, and he was not feeling overly jovial. It was like, I mean, if you remember the Great Cup, it was, was that 2013 or 2014? 14. 14, yeah, and yeah. it was, it was a, it, people were, leave, like, Hamilton fans were leaving in the, yeah, the second half. It was so a bit of a I heckled the, ma the, the, uh, the mayor in the lobby, and he wasn't having I'm it. I'm trying so. to think if that was Bob Bertina, because Bob Bertina was the mayor of Hamilton at one time, and he used to be the play-by-play -play of the Ticats. Oh, <laughs> so he, there's He'd a next yeah. yeah. He's in the Hall of Fame, the Canadian <laughs> Football Hall of Fame as well. So what else is on, on the slate besides touring, and, and what do you got going on? Man, we're just, I mean, this tour is over 50 dates. So we started in, uh, in Quebec and East Coast Canada. We did, like, Northeast United States, all the way down to Texas, back up. Took a little bit of time off. And then uh, Western Canada, like you said, all the good prairie provinces, Vancouver, all down the West Coast. So it just kind of goes on forever. We're somehow not even half done despite being two and a half months into it. So that's, we got a lot of shows ahead. <laughs> is, is it fun? I know you're crisscrossing. Yeah. Like, is it fun still to get out and do this? Like, I know one of the things I wrote down here was like best and worst thing about touring, but then I realized kind of touring was taken away from you. So there's got to be a little bit of, uh, a little bit of uh, appreciation for what you're doing right renewed now. Renewed energy. Is it, yeah, is it still fun? No. Is there renewed energy? Like, what is it? I mean, the funny thing about our band, which is maybe different than some, is we all still hang out all the time, even when we're off the road. So we're like, we're all like buds. We've been buds for a long time. We've been a band for 18 years, you know, and, and we, so we still all go have fun. It's really fun. We were just down in Texas going for barbecue and going out and like nice. checking stuff out. So we, I think we understand with it being taken away, it's like you don't really know. This could all go away at any point, regardless of a pandemic or whatever. Right. So we try to just enjoy ourselves. And, and so we still have a lot of fun. I think the, the thing that it, it does get tiring, though. So we've tried to be better about our planning. We take time off, little breaks in between. Because right. it, it is, you get worn down for sure. Yeah. And, and especially in Canada, because you have friends in all these cities. And every night is a Friday night when you roll into town. Right. Everyone wants to party. So it, 
a little exhausting. You got to be careful, otherwise that guy goes to breakfast television and it's all over. Right? <laughs> <laughs> you gotta, all right, listen, we have a long line of uh, a long history of singing on this show, and I wondered, with two musicians in, if you guys wouldn't do us the honor of judging some of the singing that has gone on on this show. Would you would yes. you partake in this in any way, shape, or form? I love judging things. So. <laughs> Should we get some uh, some it? like figure skating uh, cards? Yeah, I, I can give you a couple sheets of paper. <laughs> okay. All right, let's. let's oh, we doing this? Oh, yeah, okay. why not? Why not? I'll give you a Sharpie because I got a thousand here. All it's right. like the NBA dunk uh, contest. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes, exactly. All right, so we got, right. Uh, actually, that's not a good enough Sharpie. Don't give me one of those big bad boys there. That'll get you covered. All right. All right. So we're going to start with the one and only, um, I don't even know if we should start here because it's just so good, uh, Donovan Bennett. Time for Real Sports Talk with Tim McAuliffe and the friends of the show. Tim's not here, I'm filling in for him. Did that sound like the Sheep Dogs? No? Uh, sorry, Sheep Dogs. Thank not you so much. No? Not, like literally not even close. Tim's not here, I'm filling in for him. So Donovan singing your song. Uh, uh, I'm not going to waste the pen on that one. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Thanks for the horns. Yeah, I, I like Donovan, but I, that was, uh, I, that's not my voice, okay? <laughs> that's not what I sound like. It might sound more like mine if you isolated yeah. me doing a high harmony. Maybe, right. So I'm giving him credit for that. Good uh, range, good range. I think, I think he should take it down an octave, yeah. maybe. Yeah. Lower voice, I don't know. Yeah, so. maybe. All right, well, speaking of lower voices, I'm told that I'm next. Okay. Uh, I want to dance with somebody. <laughs> I want to feel the heat with somebody. Yeah. All right, okay. Well, they're actually writing. This is a good sign. <laughs> this is All good right. They're actually writing. You oh, see that? Uh, yeah, a, that's the wrong a six team. and a seven. Yeah, a yes, six and a seven. seven. Hey, you your go. pitch is pretty good. It's pretty good. Yeah. Yeah. I recognize the melody that you were singing. <laughs> also, yeah. based on that situation, I feel like you were scrambling. Someone was going on. You had to fill some time. No, oh, it was oh, commercial. Oh. That was a commercial break. Yeah, oh, okay. we were just messing around. So it's never been seen before. This uh, is uh, a bit debut. of a sing like no one's listening. Yeah, <laughs> and then they put it on air. Right? <laughs> yeah. It usually happens to me. Uh, Kevin, I know you think that you're out of this, but uh, earlier today, <laughs> you sang. We recorded it, oh. and we have it. Oh, good. If I just breathe, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's, that is really good. Yeah. Yeah. I'm sorry. I, it wasn't the best. I give it three. <laughs> I'm, I'm gonna be generous. I'll go four. No, no, go I four. Was, I mean, I was expecting just a big circle, just a big zero. Take that seven. Credit where credit's due. That's right. Listen, Donovan didn't even get a number, so take that beach. You should hear some of the Donovan stuff. It's really good. He's got a new show uh, podcast available for your uh, listening pleasure wherever you get your podcast yeah check it out maybe he'll sing more often at the sheepdogs is where you find these guys they sing way better than I they have a better melody they have a be they have better everything than all of us the sheepdogs.com we appreciate you boys for coming good to see you yeah. good to see you Thanks, Tim. ladies Thanks, and gentlemen boys and girls children of all ages the sheepdogs and I'm glad that I can now get up and shake hands with people on the other side a huge day for Felix Oje Aliassim plus Kipper on the way final half hour too sweet to be sour I won't talk over the vocals Tim and friends continues
back to Tim and Friends. Got some highlights for you, starting with Brazil and Canada. Canada riding a five-match winning streak down 1-0 when Ashley Lawrence plays it inside the area. Handball is called, ensuing penalty. And Lawrence makes no mistake, ties the match up. One, could they pull it out? No. Stoppage time. Brazil with a corner. Canada can't clear. Anna Vitoria is able to put the go-ahead goal in off of a couple bodies, eventually squeaking past the line, 2-1 Brazil. And shortly after that, tough moment here as Michelle Prince comes up in pain, non-contact injury. I hope that's not the Achilles because she would leave on a stretcher putting absolutely no pressure. When we get an update on that, we will let you know, but that would be a huge loss if that is an Achilles and a long-term injury because we know the World Cup is around the corner for the women. Canada lose 2-1 the final, the five-match winning streak snapped, but obviously of lesser concern at this point. Meanwhile, in Turin, the ATP Finals, Felix Auger-Aliassime trying to bounce back after a loss to Casper Ruud taking on Rafael Nadal, who has never lost to the Montreal native. Tied three all opening set. Felix facing a fourth straight break point after going down 40 run. Battles back under pressure. Puts away the forehand. Holds, takes the first set, 6 3. Second set. Canadian up a break on the run. Fires the backhand down the line. 29 winners on the match point. Felix Auger Aliassime. The serve too much to handle for Rafael Nadal. And Felix, first ever win against Nadal, takes it in straight sets, stays alive in the ATP Finals. 6-3, 6-4, the final. As Felix gets the win, and that is a pretty solid bounce back after losing to Kasper Ruud. So it looks like in the green group, Rafael Nadal will be out, and it depends on what happens between Ruud and Fritz. Fritz, Taylor Fritz, coming up next for Felix in that group. Speaking of on the fritz, I don't know, that was my best attempt at a transition here. Uh, We just did some World Cup highlights, or some soccer highlights, pardon me. So turning our attention to the World Cup. Now, uh, let's go to my computer, guys, because we saw this. We talked about this earlier, Timmy. We had the $200 a night to stay in a shipping container in Qatar. Now, we have what appears to be Firefest 2.0. You could also stay in what appears to be a tent of sorts. What? I can't imagine air conditioning is very good in these, Tim. Would you stay in one of these things? Whatever <laughs> it is. There's no air conditioning there. No, I mean, the air is around, but I wouldn't say it's conditioned. It, are we at the point where literally the World Cup is like, I mean, we know this is going to take place. Yeah. But the experience is Firefest-ish. Yeah, it's is just, that where we are. I think that's exactly where we are. At this look point. at that. Why, yeah, it doesn't. I'm, I'm. What do you? This doesn't. The tweet here doesn't mention what you would be paying. But well, the shipping containers shipping in the middle of the desert seems like a great idea, <laughs> and those are two hundred dollars a night. So I don't know what the tents in the middle of the desert are, but I guarantee you one thing. And this is what we do all the time. We always tear it down before it ends up being a wonderful thing. But I hope that there aren't a lot of drunk fans. Oh, wait a second. It's the World Cup. There are going to be tons of drunk fans in those tents. And I got a feeling there might be a couple fights. 
I'm gonna imagine that there'll be a couple, there'll be some fisticuffs, yes. And that's also with the uh, hoping that they can actually find beer and afford beer, because it sounds like it's gonna be tough to track down beer at the World Cup, and also beers are going to be quite expensive. But having said all that, it's a World Cup. People are going to find beer. Yeah, they can't bring their own beer is what Kevin's saying here. They're only in sanctioned areas. Can you buy beer because of the local rules in Qatar? All right, meanwhile, the parliamentary hearings into Hockey Canada continued today in Ottawa. One bit of news was a revelation that since July, Hockey Canada has paid $1.6 million to a crisis management firm called Navigator. Uh, we had heard that they were working with a PR firm, now know that $1.6 million was given to the firm for the PR disaster that they have put themselves into. With more, let's send it to Kyle Bukoskis in Ottawa. Kyle? Pleased to be joined by Paul Grant, who has been covering this story for Sportsnet. And Paul, a fourth round of hearings by the Heritage Committee here on Tuesday. Uh, ultimately, what was your takeaway from the two hours of questions that were pointed towards Bob Nicholson, the former CEO of Hockey Canada, and one of their current senior VPs, Pat McLaughlin? Yeah, I think the biggest change for me uh, from the last hearings was hearing the word sorry. We heard Bob Nicholson say the word sorry. He was sorry some of the things that happened when he was in charge of Hockey Canada. He said he had some regrets about the things that he did and did not do. And he wanted to change the culture uh, of some of the uh, players and some of the things that had gone on in Hockey Canada. Also, I think the biggest thing was there was a lack of defensiveness. Uh, Pat McLaughlin, who's a senior VP of Hockey Canada, was complicit and said that he was apologetic and that Hockey Canada needed to do more. And he was hoping that Canadians would get the trust back in Hockey Canada. You had the chance to speak with a couple of MPs after the meeting adjourned. Uh, what do you think is next here? I think the thing that's next is uh, we're going to see more hearings. I don't think we're going to see anything in the short term. I think that uh, Hockey Canada is just one of many uh, sports, unfortunately, that are being investigated in Canada right now. So you'll see a little bit more on Hockey Canada, but I think largely you'll see uh, change going on. So as the Heritage Committee figures out their next steps, uh, we also await the findings of the investigations that are being conducted on behalf of Hockey Canada, the National Hockey League, and the London Police. Thank you very much, gentlemen. All right, time for another break. When we come back, Nick Kiprios will pop by for his now weekly Tuesday appearance here on Tim and Friends. We'll get his takeaways from the Hall of Fame induction plus the latest on the NHL GM meetings. All that next right here, Tim and Friends. Time for real sports talk with Tim McAuliffe and friends of the show. Hey, hey, these guys were just here. These guys were just here. Thank you very much, Sheep Talks, and thank you for them. visiting earlier. Yeah, we know them. I know them. Half an hour to go here on Tim and Friends. Nick Kiprios is a friend, and he will join me for the rest of the show in just a minute. Plenty to discuss. NHL GM meetings happening today. We'll discuss Buck Over Glass, among other things, plus a full night of action. In the National Hockey League, the Canucks limp into Buffalo losers of three straight and rumors swirling about what changes are coming next. Vancouver will go with Spencer Martin in net tonight with Thatcher Demko struggling so far. See this one. Sportsnet Pacific regionally tonight starting with Canucks Central 3.30 local time in Vancouver. Meanwhile, Sabres struggling too. Losers of five straight. And despite the Nucks problems so far, Boost Boudreaux thinks the team's improving? 
we're getting better at a lot of areas. And uh, I think, I mean, uh, we just don't want to make it too late till we get really good at all the areas. But, I mean, we're getting better at it. So uh, hopefully tonight is a good turnaround on the way home that we can we can finish this trip off on the on the right note. Glass half full, kind of man. Yeah. It's amazing that we have a glass at all, Kevin. The Leafs in Pittsburgh to face a Penguins team they lost to on Friday. Matt Murray returns to the net to face his former team. He hasn't played since opening night because of an abductor injury. And the Leafs' lines have been shuffled. Austin Matthews centers Bunting and Nylander. That's right. Matthews and Marner have been moved apart. We'll go on to the second line with John Tavares. As for the defense, with Jake Muzzin long-term, TJ Brody now on IR, leaving plenty of question marks on this back end. Everybody's going to have to, you know, step up and play a little bit more and play in a little bit different situations, a little bit different matchups, all these kind of things. Obviously, Jordy Ben, who was uh, was a very big part of our win the other night. We've got experienced guys like that we've got young guys like Sandy Lilligren that are always looking for more and want more opportunity and and they're going to get that the Canadians face the hottest team in the NHL tonight as they host the Devils that's right New Jersey has won nine straight their longest winning streak in 15 years meanwhile the Habs have won three straight and will be wearing their reverse retro jerseys for the first time this season Little Expo throwback. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it's it's cool. Um, you know, it's tough to tough to mess around with the Habs jerseys too much. But I think uh, when you do it with the Expos, it's uh, means something to the city. So it's uh, it's a good look as well. So we're excited. Speaking of the Expos, some baseball free agent Anthony Rizzo resigning with the Yankees, multi-year deal according to Ken Rosenthal. Rizzo hit 32 home runs last season, his first year with the Yankees. Elsewhere, all qualifying offers around the league uh, were rejected except for Jock Peterson, who returns to the Giants, and Martin Perez, who stays with the Rangers. Meanwhile, Tyler Anderson signed a three-year deal with the Angels in the $40 million region. Fridays with Nate, Tuesdays with Kipper, as the former NHLer joins what's, me uh, in the studio. What's 32 home runs in New York at Rizzo? Uh, do we have? 20 million. 20 million. 20 million yeah. mil a year. Oh, that's... It's a poor man's. Uh, <laughs> poor man's Aaron Judge. <laughs> home run. Yeah, twenty million dollars a year. Forty or fifty million. Yeah, now these double guys. what any any NHL player will make yeah, this year. Yeah, yeah. Don't remind them. <laughs> and that's uh, grow. We're, we're talking about a bunch of teams playing tonight, but more specifically the Canadian teams. Uh, what are you hearing about the Canucks and what's about to happen? In Vancouver I'm, with this team. Yeah, I'm just surprised that uh, after uh, Jim Rutherford spoke on uh, Hockey Night in Canada uh, in the after hours that he's continued on uh, a bit of a, a media uh, crusade here. Uh, would we have seen a firing already if maybe the Sedins weren't uh, inducted <laughs> yesterday? Uh, there is a sense and a little bit of a buzz down uh at the uh, induction ceremonies amongst many that some believe that it could have happened if it wasn't for uh, the Hall of Fame and the well, attention. I, I said it on this show yesterday, like, do so, nothing. You can't, you can't take away no, from this ceremony. No, like, you, and you better sit back and relax. It was well noted there <laughs> yeah. as well. Uh, yeah. But another loss with everything that's been set up until this point, and then it's going to start turning on Jimmy Rutherford for, for not doing the thing that uh, he has been speaking about for weeks now. What should happen here? Like, I know, listen, 
Bruce is probably going to get it. I don't know if they're waiting because they're already paying a couple of coaches here and they don't want to add another one to the mix. Well, Mike Yo's there waiting right. uh, to take over, and that's usually a, a sign when you don't want to do anything but you want to do something, then you, you go to a guy like that and uh, you explain to him that... Uh, yeah, you're not making a dime extra on this. You're just right. going into behind the bench uh, for the rest of the year. Do you want it or you don't want it? And we know that they usually want it. Yeah, they usually want it. They usually take it. I don't know if uh, if Mike Yo runs their penalty kill, uh, but I would hope not because right now it's one of the worst. It is the worst in the National Hockey League. This this is part of the equation in Vancouver. Obviously, that who a lot of people looked at and said, like, this is a real big-time goalie, hasn't yeah. performed to his abilities. And I feel like some of that is being lost on what comes next for this team. If they just get some goaltending, yeah. maybe they would be a little bit better. But uh, protecting a two-goal lead. Right. Let's start there. And, you know, Spencer Martin actually uh, gave them a chance to still win Saturday night in Toronto. But... Uh, can't be blowing multi-goal leads. And, yes, there's some issues uh, in front of your goaltenders, but they got to find a way on some nights just to, to be the difference maker, and they have not. So I think it's legit what you're, when you're kind of pointing a finger at Demko a little bit. But that, that blue line's just not good enough. Right. And Jimmy Rutherford had talked about having a roster that's good enough to go on a five-or-six-game five or winning streak. But uh, that blue line... Cannot get it done. Uh, Hughes, we know what skating means to him, whatever, a groin, a hip, whatever the issues. Right. He's not impactful. He's not making a difference right now. Um, and, and that's a huge concern as well. So do they deal one of these, two of these, three? Like, are we, once Bruce ends up getting what yeah. a lot of people think he's going to get here, yeah. and I don't know how fair it is or unfair it is, but are we going to start seeing pieces move? Well, Bo Horvat's got one foot out the door. Right. Uh, the writing's on the wall. Uh, I think it's been crystal clear that they don't see him as an impactful centerman, uh, a guy that uh, uh, can make plays. Can he find a way to put the puck in the net? Yes. Uh, is fi- uh, can he can he impact the game? Uh, they feel like if he can, it'll be at uh, a minimal price. Uh, but they don't c- certainly see him as a as a seven-plus million-dollar player, which means between now and the trade deadline, he's as good as gone. It's a good thing they put a C on a sweater. <laughs> I guess it was the people before. I guess it was the people before that gave him the C. All right, so from Vancouver to Calgary, and yesterday on the show, we had a quick conversation, and you would have a better answer than any of us would have. But I had noticed a couple of things that Daryl Sutter had said over the last little while. One of them... You know, those players were being soft at home. Yeah. Uh, Uber Doe's on the third line trying to get them going. Why? Because we've we've shuffled them with everybody on this lineup. Um, here's the soft at home quote. Does this begin to rub players the wrong way, Kipper? Or does Sutter know enough and have enough experience that he can get through stuff like this? This is Daryl at his best. This is Daryl being Daryl, uh, and uh, there, there's no one better right now behind the bench when it comes to uh, mind games or crawling into a, a player's head and trying to squeeze the most out of him. And I, I think that's all we're seeing. And uh, uh, he's going to challenge uh, Huberto, and he's challenged all the players uh, you know that he's ever come across. Uh, his his strengths, at least the ones that we perceive that are there are 
I'll break them down and I'll build them back up. And that's right. what's going on with uh, uh, Hubert. Is, uh, is he different than Keenan? You played for Keenan yeah. and people got tired of Keenan. I think we're, we're in the same ballpark here. Right. Um, you know, but Daryl's done a nice job of, of keeping a lot of things fresh and new. And, you right. know, there's a million reasons why you could accuse him of, of being a dinosaur, but he hasn't done that. Um, and we do know that every once in a while he'll reference the Los Angeles Kings, and he's got uh, L.A. Kings in the room, and Toffoli, Lewis, Lucic, and right. they'll help with the Huberos, um, you know, and the Mackenzie Uyghurs to remind them this is how you win in L.A., which right. is coming from Daryl. So Daryl needs a little bit of time to work with these guys, and by Christmas I think uh, we'll have a better understanding of how hard these guys fight because uh, it was an issue in, in Florida. The reason yep. why Huberto and Uyghur are not – uh, members of the Florida Panthers because they thought at times that they were uh, on the soft side as well. So right. this is Daryl now uh, revisiting this whole thing. Okay, so the Leafs are at the Penguins tonight. Uh, Matt Murray between the pipes against his former team. And I, I know that we've talked about it. I know that you've talked about it on Real Kipper and Bourne. Um, and unfortunately, it is a long-term injury for Jake Muzzin. He'll be reevaluated in February. TJ Brody on the IR now as well. The Leafs' blue line is in some trouble. Are the Leafs in trouble, Kipper? I, I think it's just too early yeah. to, to really go down that path. And uh, there's a lot of question marks still, and I'm not sure we found anything out. And uh, I, I still believe that there is that that week to go another week 10 days to figure out what you truly have and compared to what you think that you might have and oh, they can't score right now and you know Marner and Matthews aren't near the the uh, top seven you know can they crawl in uh, the top 10 with a couple of good games absolutely but you know why are they in the bottom half of putting the puck in the net um, and you wait for these guys to explode, and they've shown that once they do get going, or once they go on a, a bit of a heater, a run, mm -hmm. uh, they, they can they can carry a few guys with them, and maybe including a bunting uh, that right. you're waiting for. So it's just it's too early. But I think we're all in the same boat for the blue line. Right. Uh, that no no uh, Muzzin when he's healthy, uh, no Brody for the next two weeks. It's going to be incredibly taxing on Giordano and Jordy Ben. And uh, don't look now, but Thursday is against the Devils, one of the fastest teams oh goodness, in the yeah. league. And not sure you want Jordy Ben out there, uh, you know, 18, 20 minutes a night. Giordano, the same thing. But I, I, don't know do if, I don't know if Sheldon does have any other choice. So, Matt Murray, welcome back to the fire. Like, yeah. I mean, they're getting him the game against the Penguins. It's a bottom half of the league team. Yeah. Um, do you like turning to him against his former team yeah. trying to find something? For sure. If he's yeah. healthy, uh, you listen to Sheldon's comments uh, going into today, and it's like uh, he's calm, he's confident, uh, he's a pro. Everything pointing to the direction of, hey, you've won two Stanley Cups. You've done this before. We need you to feel that. And we need it ASAP. So yeah. everything's pointed in the direction that they want Matt Murray to really run with this. And if they can get Samsonov back next week, all the bonus. But hopefully by then, Matt Murray's kind of got a couple of games under his belt. And uh, it's leaning towards that. But uh, this, is, this is now getting into uh, kind of a, a tricky area because both those guys have now suffered injuries and when yeah. you're dealing with goaltenders that are hurt during the regular season you don't you don't lose that uh that that 
kind of feel the rest of the season that at any point they could they could bail on you with another injury or, or a reoccurrence of the same injury so that will all that will be there the rest of the season yeah. despite uh, how long they stay healthy I know that a lot of people say about the Toronto Maple Leafs it doesn't matter to the postseason like this regular season is starting to worry about me well, a little bit because of the, yeah. the lack of scoring and then yeah. you got injuries on defense and you're not sure about the goaltending like yeah. I think they're still listen fifth in the conference right now they haven't played well second in a tight Atlantic division they haven't played well so obviously yeah. they have the talent to do it but there's something that worries me yeah. here Kipper that it, one more injury on the back end and I don't know how yeah. you can trust these goalies right now like Here's the beauty, Tim. Misery loves company, and the issues are there in Tampa right now on how long they can keep going. Yeah, that's true. And the Florida Panthers yep. uh, are absolutely a mess with their salary cap, yep. and there's no room for real improvement there either. So uh, there's no reason why the Leafs shouldn't be able to hold. If Boston's going to run away with this thing, which, mm-hmm. come on. Seems like they're, it. They're, no, it doesn't. Well, listen, you're if you're Boston, enough? you may look back in March or April and say our best hockey was played in November. That's okay. how good they've been. Yeah. But if, in fact, that they don't disappear during the regular season, um, second's looking okay for the Leafs uh, in the Atlantic. I got you. It looks as though someone got a text here. We'll check that text. And when we come back, <laughs> we will discuss our takeaways from the NHL GM meetings. Kipper, I'm going to pass something by you, and I want to get your opinion. You might not like it. I'm still going to do it next right here on Terror Friends. Welcome back to Tim and Friends. We'll get to game time in just a flash, but first, the NHL's general manager meetings were held today in Toronto to look at the state of the game, talk about some potential rule changes. Let's bring in Jesse Fuchs for a wrap on what was discussed. I'm joined now by Elliot Friedman. Elliot, the sense we're getting is that there was nothing earth-shattering discussed, but they did talk about what Coley Campbell called groundhog issues, like kickpocks and applications of penalty shots. It sounds like there's some progress in some areas, but there's also some places, as you learned, that GMs just don't want to go. Where is that? Well, Jesse, that's absolutely true. There were a couple of situations provided to them. For example, one of them was the coach's challenge. Do you want to take away the idea of there's a penalty if you get a challenge wrong and go back to the timeout idea and that was voted down there was kind of an informal straw poll and the GMs made it very clear they didn't want to go back to the old way they wanted to keep it where it is with the penalty if you're wrong another thing that came up was if you look at the end of Monday night's game between St. Louis and Colorado Pavel Buchnevich got a penalty that put the Blues down five on three late in the game for putting the puck into the crowd and apparently there were some people saying that's not on purpose that's not on purpose shouldn't be a penalty but I don't think there's a will at all Jesse to make that a judgment call and quite frankly I agree with that I think it should be black and white don't leave it up in a huge playoff game to somebody to make a judgment call so there was no willingness to go back on that one either and we know the pace of progress is slow but you know what's not slow trades when you get all the GMs in one place there's going to be discussions talks about deals here and there leading up to the trade deadline what did we learn well I know that people want to hear more about that than they want to hear about the rules conversations look one of the most popular GMs when he walked out was Senators Pierre Dorian and he's been searching for a defenseman everybody knows that they have injuries on their blue line and now Shabbat added to it it's interesting he said that he could not watch the game Monday live obviously because of the Daniel Alfredson and the Hall of Fame ceremony he was going to watch it uh, this afternoon but he said look he heard Jake Sanders 
Anderson played pretty well. He heard Jacob Bernard Docker played pretty well. And, you know, he's starting to think that maybe he just gives the young players more run and Artem Zub will go on the road trip with them. We'll see when he can play. You know, what that says to me is what we've heard is that it's been hard for him to find a defenseman out there. It's not easy when you're struggling. Not everybody helps you. They want to rob you. They don't want to help you. And I think what we could see here is he'll continue to look, but does he simply turn it over to the kids? I think the other guy everybody's watching, Jacob Chikrin, he's supposed to play for Arizona potentially later this week, next week. We'll see. Everybody wants to see him play and look good. And we can confirm the topic of Mitchell Miller did come up. The main message from Colin Campbell in the league was to do the due diligence required before you make signings. It was more of a reminder than a, a big open discussion. And as with all discussions between the GMs, they will continue in March. All right. Thank you very much, Jesse. Thank you very Wonder much, if, Elliot. Uh, Pierre Dorian uh, looked at Elliot and said, hi, Elliot. Pierre Dorian says hello. <laughs> you like the third person talking to you? I, I, I hope he's consistent <laughs> with it. That's all. Um, turning it over to the young players is another way of saying, like, everyone knows I want a defenseman. Maybe I don't want a defenseman, even though I do want a defenseman. Yeah, yeah. And he's not the only team in the league looking he, for a defenseman. He, no, he's not. Uh, it's going to be kind of tricky, too. I, I'm sure that uh, he'd have to go back to the board. Like, there's a for sale sign, right. and there's a certain value there. I would think that he, adding a, a, a Chikrin type of contract shouldn't be a problem for him, although, you know, you never know in these situations. Yeah, yeah good point. Uh, but uh, Chikrin at 4.6 would be an asset, I think, that uh, – Either, you know, a new owner would potentially look at as, as, a, as a valuable asset, yeah. uh, having a guy that can play those type of minutes at a low Get cost for wins. two more years. Um, but I don't think it's just a given that he's got the green light to do anything, uh, you know, uh, with, right. with a very sensitive sale going on. I got to get the puck over glass because earlier today I came up with an idea that I stole uh -oh. from Jeff Merrick. Uh-oh. Well, that's just stop right there with Jeff <laughs> Merrick, please. Okay, I agree on this one. <laughs> Puck over glass should be one minute. A one-minute penalty. You can't go black and white. Now listen to me here, Kipper. Yeah. Here's the reason why it should be one minute. Boy. And I know that you've never heard of a one-minute penalty before. Because when it matters most in the NHL, the referees want to put away the whistle. But then someone who you're not sure whether or not they meant to bats a puck out of midair, goes over the glass, and they give two minutes. And so puck over glass is the same thing as... Like, I mean, you'll let hits from behind go. They'll let cross checks in the head go. And then someone puts puck over glass, and immediately two minutes yeah. you're gone. It's ridiculous. But we're, we're regressing because everything that's done is to kind of simplify things and to take out the guesswork of right. what someone Don't want a judgment to do call. And, and meant to do. And I, I, I can purposely knock a puck over the glass out of midair yeah, but if and you make it look like you. a mistake. And 90% of the league can do the same thing. They can absolutely kill a play dead by whacking it over the glass out of midair. So that's you think not, two that's minutes, not hard. it's the same you thing, see what they you're do fine and, with it. Do you see what they're doing uh, during All-Star Weekends oh, and on I Instagram? Know, flipping, and diving, you're thinking of a, a, a puck yeah. this high yep. off the ground and yep. I can't accidentally make it look like uh, uh, I, I didn't mean to do it? You don't, don't, don't go down that path again because uh, there's going to be arguments beyond belief on who did it on purpose and who didn't. I, I don't say that. I'm just saying give a one-minute penalty for all of them. 
Uh, you're changing the scope of the whole oh, game we, right we've now done that one hundred times. Not with every no. old school guy says we can't change the scope yeah. of the game, and yet we're playing three on three yeah. overtime. Yeah, you're just you want to be a little bit pregnant there, buddy. <laughs> That's yeah. not the way it works. Right. You're pregnant or you're not. <laughs> That's hockey. All right, well, you got a penalty right. or you don't. This is just a belly. All right, <laughs> get me, me upset right leave now. Leave me alone. All right, it's not. I'm not pregnant. It's just a belly. <laughs> all right, we can agree on this. Game day starts now. Here's what we got on tap on Sportsnet tonight. Canucks and Sabres regionally, Sportsnet Pacific. Uh, that region will also get Canucks Central following us. Caps and Panthers on Sportsnet with NXT on Sportsnet 360. But it's game time. Oh, yeah, now it's time for game time where we look ahead to what you need to know for the games of the night. And we're going to start with the Vancouver Canucks, who are in Buffalo to face the Sabres. Vancouver, who have lost three straight. They've lost four of their last five. They haven't been good. They're starting Spencer Martin. We talked about it a little bit, Tim, but are you surprised that Martin is getting the start tonight? No, it doesn't matter who you put in. I mean, listen, it's been ugly for the Canucks, and perhaps the most damning part of it all is, like, okay, Demko hasn't been himself, but as a team, the Canucks have the third worst goals against average in all of the National Hockey League and the worst save percentage in the NHL. Kipper, you don't need analytics to tell you that's why they're struggling, yeah. no? Yeah, and, but I thought Saturday night Martin gave him a chance. Yeah, he gave him a chance, and he's been better than Demko. Yeah, so I've got no issues with that start. All right, uh, the Leafs are in Pittsburgh to face the Penguins tonight. Matt Murray, as we mentioned, makes his return to the lineup while making his return to Pittsburgh to face his former team. Kipper, do you have a, uh, a memory of going up against one of your former teams that makes this feel like it's real deal when Murray goes up against the team he won a cup with? Just the time that I, I spent, uh, you know, uh, with the Philadelphia Flyers as a member there, as a prospect, and coming through after uh, multiple years at training camp and then getting claimed by the Washington Capitals. My first game in the NHL is up against uh, Rick Tockett and, uh, the crew there, and Rick was a guy that I actually trained with in Toronto, right. and, you know, and having them chirp, chirp me the whole game. And it was, was my there first extra NHL motivation, game. Though? Are you, I, I was like, still had my autograph book in my pants. <laughs> Forget about motivation, man. I was just, I was, my head was spinning. Where the hell am I right now? I can't believe this is happening. That's awesome. But uh, it, we'll see what Matt Murray has for tonight. I, I, I'm sure the, the players don't do not want him shutting the door down uh, on. And Sid held scoreless uh, the last time the Leafs played him. I don't know if that'll happen again. Always mentioned with Sidney Crosby, Alex Ovechkin. Him and the Caps are and they're visiting the Panthers this evening. You see that game 7 Eastern, Sportsnet East, West, Ontario, and Sportsnet 1. Ovi hasn't found the back of the net in three games. He's on 788 career goals still. Here are his odds for scoring this evening. Plus 128 for Gino anytime. Plus 1050 to score the first or last of the game. Timmy, you like the action? Anytime goal plus 128 after not scoring in three. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, that's not bad. Eh? But that team's not very good, is it, Nick? They got some issues, I think, up the middle. Uh, Kuznetsov, their their most skilled guy. Yeah. Uh, outside of shooting the puck and running people over for Ovi. Yeah. Uh, and it, it, they miss they miss Backstrom without a doubt. Without they're just not a good hockey team right now. Mm-hmm. So that's a tough one. That is a tough one. That does it for us. Hockey Central up next on Sportsnet. Canuck Central on Pacific. Thank you, Kipper. All right. Thank you, Mickey. And thank you, Canada. We'll talk again tomorrow, hopefully.